Time's Ours is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Chiefs ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. I checked out Game Time myself and I saw a couple of amazing features. One is that you can see in the ticket what you'll be seeing in the venue. It can be for sporting events, it can be for live music events. I found a concert that I was planning on going to, then forgot about, missed the tickets the first time, and now I'm tracking the tickets on game time, and I'm hoping to get a nice deal through the app right before it actually happens. So head to the App Store or Play Store right now to download game time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Well, just like we all expected, the Kansas City Chiefs had, like, basically none of their starters, including not having their starting quarterback. Matt Moore goes out there, duels head-to-head with Aaron Rodgers. Everything goes swimmingly for, like, 55 minutes. Uh, Poorly for the last five, the Chiefs lose by seven to the aforementioned Aaron Rodgers Packers. And the city is currently on fire. We will attempt to cool it all down here today on Times Ours right here on The Athletic. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor and Seth Kaiser. Friends, I I would have been a little bit surprised if you would have told me how this game was going to go and how we were all going to feel by the end of it. But the Chiefs are five and three and everyone's mad. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's back because you 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 woke up probably yesterday if you're a Chiefs fan thinking, man, it's it's gonna be a long time to wait before we probably get uh, dominated for the course of sixty minutes, and then you look up at halftime and you're like, whoa, we're leading, we might win this game. <laughs> Talk yourself into believing, and then Lashawn McCoy fumbled and it all went to hell. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the team's five and three. They are still the dominant prohibitive favorites in the AFC West because the Oakland Raiders somehow lost to a quarterback with one eye uh, yesterday. (laughs) And, you know, despite the Chargers beating the, I mean, Chicago Bears, sure, whatever. I mean, Denver somehow found a way to grab the defeat from Jaws of Victory sort of theme line. But, yeah, I mean, if you're the Chiefs, it was there. It was really there despite... Not having your starting quarterback, excuse me, and MVP and Patrick Mahomes. Not having two starting offensive linemen and Andrew Wiley and Eric Fisher. Not having your best pass rushers. And still getting five sacks on on Aaron Rodgers and losing, or shoot, excuse me, not having, you know, Frank Clark and Chris Jones. And you didn't even have your best slot quarterback and Kendall Fuller. And, like, you covered their wide receivers as best as you possibly could. And, yeah, um... Yeah, they they didn't they didn't they didn't win the game um, because Aaron Rodgers is that good, and it's not Matt Moore's fault. Like right. I want to be like the defense attorney today for Matt Moore. I'm sorry, Seth, but like <laughs> it is not on Matt. You know, like like if you're if you're an NBA fan, I I, I want to pull out the Doc Rivers. It's not all on Matt. It's just not all on Matt. It's not on Matt. Seth is our resident expert on hell. Is this what it's like? <laughs> yes, I, I think that's in. Uh, I think that's in. That's in Fourth John or something like that. That hell. <laughs> that hell is. That, that, that's what hell is exactly like when your team loses a very entertaining football game by a small amount. Man, some people are in for a surprise. But anyway, so the <laughs> the, the the thing I, I like what Nate said about more. I mean, this wasn't his fault. Was he as good as Mahomes? Would have been, of course not. But he's not. He's not Pat Mahomes. And how dare he? Yeah, I know. And <laughs> how dare and he? And that's there. There are certain quarterback flaws that probably wouldn't be so obvious if we weren't used to watching Mahomes. The one criticism of him is it took him a little longer to get the ball out, and he stared guys down a little longer. His release isn't as quick. That just is what it is. That's why you saw a lot more contested catches because that's just most quarterbacks are human. Mahomes is not. 
And so, you know, you don't see very many, like it didn't, it's something that doesn't even occur to you watching Mahomes, how few passes are contested. Cause he's usually, you know, looking at like, you know, the clouds when he throws the ball and everyone else starts looking at the clouds. <laughs> Is there a plane, you know, or whatever. And so there's, there's very few contested throws where guys get a chance to knock it down with more. There was a little more, including a crucial third and three, but he played well and, yeah, like Nate said, the reality is they were missing their two best players on defense. Then they lost Alex Okafor, which was a low-key big moment. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. when the defense really started to go downhill, is that that was part of it. Because they got tired. They they didn't have anyone left to rotate in. Poor Passanio and Agba were gassed. And it, and it played a role in the run defense. You know, a lot of that is, is being tired. It played a huge role in the game. So, honestly, I'm not that upset. And what's funny to me is that heading into the game, a bunch of Chiefs fans, at least if, you know, we base things on Twitter, because Lord knows we can base reasonable society on Twitter uh, and what, mm-hmm. what people do on there. But... Twitter is real. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That actually is a funny thing. You know, you know what? That's a whole other thing that I would go into how few of the population is actually active on Twitter, but we act like it's dispositive. But anyway, people were. Don't you don't you don't you tell us facts. (laughs) Don't you tell us facts. We treat Twitter as it is the gospel. It's like it's fourth John. Exactly. And so (laughs) so it is interesting. Like, everyone was so chill before the game. Like, ah, you know, look, they're missing a ton of people. And, yeah, you know, the Packers have Adams out. But other than that, they're pretty healthy, like, at least with their stars. Because it's not just because everyone's saying, well, lots of teams have injuries. But it's, like, key players, you know, including the MVP. Like, let's imagine you remove Aaron Rodgers from that game. Do the Chiefs win? I think they win by two touchdowns. And so... Right. It just is what it is. Everyone was so chill beforehand, and then afterward, it's like, you know, do we need to fire Andy Reid? It's like, yeah, that's what we ought to do. Mid-season, <laughs> yeah, fire the it. seventh winningest coach it. of all time. Let's just, yeah, let's go for it. The last time I remember people having a fire Andy Reid discussion, it was like, oh, it was either replacing with Doug Peterson or replacing with Matt Nagy. And right now, both of those coaches, their houses are on fire. Like, <laughs> it just it, everything is burning in Philly and Chicago. Um, I, I, I mean, we'll come back around to all the coaching. I also need to tell you, if you uh, have not yet come over completely to The Athletic, because right now you could be listening to this episode for free, and if you are, we won't hold a grudge. You're just, you know, not as good of a listener as everyone who is subscribed to The Athletic. We're also going to be re- like referring to a ton of stuff on the actual website today, because Seth and Nate already both have articles up on theathletic.com, so you can subscribe there so you can get all of the written content and our bonus Friday episodes. Those are exclusive to subscribers of The Athletic. But if you're just listening on Apple Podcasts or somewhere else, uh, at least go leave us a review and a rating wherever uh, you get your podcasts and you're getting this one. And just, I say leave us a review and a rating. Leave us a five-star rating and the review that says that we're great. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll make it easy for you. There's the answer. Just go, go fill it in now. Um, we will talk about the coaching. Um, I have talked about the coaching for already a very long time um, because I did the the post game show on eight ten here in Kansas City last night, and so my spirit has been broken. Um, <laughs> we, I, this this might be me being uh, just personally dispirited here, but I'm saying let's let's hold the coaching for a second. Because I think that could literally be the entire show, and I don't want it to be because there are enough other factors here. And Nate, I know you took a similar approach in, in your story up on the site right now. Whenever you look at the story, your takeaway was something along the lines of everyone has some blame to take, except for kind of Matt Moore. Yeah. No, I, I think that's fair, and that's one of the strange things in you know, you, you can try to prepare for what you think you might see on any given Sunday. Yes, insert slight cliche. Um, but Matt Moore played about as well as you could ask him to. 24 for 36, 267, two touchdowns, no turnovers, which I thought, man, if you give me that, mm-hmm. um, maybe the Chiefs get a turnover in two, and hey, you know, who who knows? Like, puncher's chance. Yeah. Um, it was It was strange to write that, like, after halftime, all of the support that Matt Moore had received, all of his teammates sort of, you know, rising to the moment um, to help out a guy who really hadn't started a game since 2017 
as a member of the Miami Dolphins, who wasn't even in the league last year, that all of a sudden they all kind of faltered around him. That's both coaching and that's both teammates. Um, You know, it's... It's unfortunate that they scored 17 points in the second quarter and looked virtually unstoppable because Matt Moore basically executed everything Andy Reid had asked him to do within the offense to get the playmakers a ball out in space, to you know improvise on the fly for that impressive touchdown to Travis Kelsey, which kind of got the team back on track. And look, you know this is this was a game where it was not a it was not a hard understanding walking into Arrowhead Stadium. The Chiefs, because of who was on the other side of the field, i.e. Aaron Rodgers, the Chiefs needed to be perfect. They needed to be near perfection um, to play their game plan about as well as you could have asked them to. And they did that for about 30 minutes, which is why they had to lead at halftime despite being down 14 nothing. But you can't fumble the football if you're LaShawn McCoy. You can't miss a field goal if you're Harrison Bucker. Um, you can't have... The offensive line collapse when Matt Moore is on the plus side of the field looking to get more points to sort of build your lead to start the third quarter. Um, and this is an issue now that is sort of permeated and it has grown and it is reaching near epidemic status. But it, it appears that Steve Spagnuolo is trying to scheme a way for his linebackers to be most successful. And a lot of that is running downhill. Like, just, just be in attack mode. Because... To ask you to cover anybody who's above average in the field that is open to anybody is just, it's not the greatest hand to play. And so if you're Aaron Rodgers, the brilliance of the quarterback is understanding, hey, this is the one thing they're not good at right now. Mm-hmm. I don't have yeah. any wide receivers that are plus. Jimmy Graham is old and like kind of slow. And if I can't throw him a 50-50 ball, that doesn't help us. Uh, the Chiefs have good safeties in both Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew. And so I'm just going to exploit every linebacker in space. And Aaron Jones is the first, listen to me, fellas. Aaron Jones is the first running back in the Packers history in the Super Bowl era. So, you know, over 50 years of data to <laughs> scour through. He's the first running back in Packers history to have more than 150 receiving yards and two touchdowns in the same game. Part of that is because Anthony Hitchens, Damian Wilson, and Ben Neiman can't cover him. And those mistakes doomed the Chiefs in the second half beyond just the offensive sort of collapse that sort of surrounded Matt Moore. It was very Alex Smith-like, where Alex Smith would play these games where you'd be like, man, statistically, Alex Smith played well, but like his teammates didn't help him as well as they could have or as well as they should have to get a victory. Uh, Seth, I want to let you talk about the linebackers here. I also want to acknowledge where I'm at. I I think over this season, I have only become even more likely to stand for Steve Spagnuolo a little bit because every every turn I go, oh, this dude's a professional defensive coordinator. Like, we're, this is not going to demand like a five minute conversation. But the like all out blitz on the hail mary attempt at the end of the yes. first half. Great. Yes. It made me so happy because, listen, this maybe it's a low bar to clear, but I saw that and went, oh, that's a defensive coordinator doing something that it looked kind of risky, but really it was just smart. And and from now on, teams are going to have to acknowledge that if they try to do something against the Chiefs, you know, either at the end of a game or the end of the half. And I just went, oh, that's the Chiefs defensive coordinator doing the thing that is smart in this space, that is uncommon in this space, that's a little bit counterintuitive but actually correct. And I thought we saw a lot of that from Spagnuolo. I felt like we've seen that in moments from him over the course of this season. But the defense has been consistently improving in my mind. And especially whenever you go, oh, it was good against Joe Flacco. How's it going to be against Aaron Rodgers? Pretty good on an Aaron Rodgers scale. But to Nate's point, there was a stat on Twitter from Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus saying that Aaron Rodgers was 11 of 11 for 183 yards, throwing at Ben Neiman, Anthony Hitchens, and Damian Wilson tonight. Um, Seth, is that a coaching problem? Uh, uh, I would say maybe yes and no. There wasn't a lot that Spagnuolo could do about it. So here's the issue, you know, the last probably three or four weeks as the Chiefs defense has gradually played better and better, people have really loved this aggressive blitz a ton, get in quarterbacks faces, and we saw the results that it had in the second quarter against the Packers, like it's it it's been getting to people, the problem is you can't 
there are three things that you can't do all at once if you don't have great personnel or even maybe adequate personnel in certain things. You can't call aggressive blitzes and be strong against the run and not play man coverage with a linebacker on a running back. You can't do all three. Right? Because yeah. just schematically yeah. you run out of players. And it's like, well, we but, should But Seth But Seth, what what if you don't have any linebackers on the field? What if you just play seven DBs, baby? Man, then, then Aaron <laughs> Rodgers will look around and he will go, Well, that's something. Hey, Aaron Jones, hey, I'm motioning you to the backfield here. We're gonna run straight at those seven DBs and we're gonna have a couple of them up against a 320 pound offensive lineman at the line. That's just that you're going to wear Dan Sorensen for the next 40 yards. Yeah, and, and that's and now here's the deal. I just want I just wanted to ask yeah. that question before somebody in their car was like, "But why don't you just yeah. take off a linebacker?" Well, yeah, off why the field? not do that? And you know what? I understand I understand it and to an extent numbers in the box can make up for lighter guys, especially if they're aggressive guys. So this is the one caveat I'd say. I think Armani Watts is a guy who's willing to fly in there. And, and and Tyron Matthew can take on blockers better than a lot of safeties. But you, you just we've seen Dan Sorensen play as an in-the-box safety. It's just not his gig necessarily. He gets swallowed up. And so maybe you could bring in Watts and have him play like a hybrid thing. Like, hey, dude, you cover linebackers. Or you cover, yeah, linebackers. You cover running backs. <laughs> maybe you could do that. But you are. it's going to have a domino effect. And that, I think the problem here isn't necessarily a coaching one. I think Spagnolo's done a good job mixing things up and trying to adapt to his personnel. But the problem is you, you don't have a three-down linebacker that can cover running backs in space. And I'm not just saying, like, can't cover, like, you know, Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara because no one but a couple linebackers can even come close to that. But, I mean, like, Aaron Jones is a good player. He's a really good player. But he is not an incredible route runner. He's very fast once he hits the open field. But they just don't have anyone that can cover him. Well, they might, but that dude currently isn't getting any playing time on the defense. And that's one thing I'd like to point out. I, th- I think it's a personnel thing. Dorian O'Daniel is on the outs. We saw this exact same thing kind of happen last year where a couple games in a mm-hmm. row, running backs out of the mm-hmm. backfield just killed him. And, mm-hmm. and Sutton said, okay, we're going to put in O'Daniel in obvious passing downs. And you know mm-hmm. what? That might be something to think about again. Be like, you cover running backs because O'Daniel's faster than any running back that in the mm-hmm. league. So I'm curious because they clearly don't trust him, right? And he he's not great with zone coverage. He's not, but he's a great athlete. He tackles well. He's really aggressive, and he can cover. So I'm curious if they take a good long hard look at okay, obvious passing downs. Let's keep doing everything we're doing except we're gonna swap out Neiman for O'Daniel and just hope they don't force O'Daniel to cover up the seam because he can't do it. By the way, the whole Ben Neiman sucks crowd, he is not good in man coverage on the boundary, but he is good in zone coverage up the seam. They just have yeah, a flawed right. linebacker group. And yes, and, yes. and Aaron Rodgers, right. a Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks in history, exposed it because he's not just physically amazing, he's smart. He saw, he's like, man, they can't yeah. do this. And they just attacked it over and over and over again. So I don't know. If, I don't even remember what you asked me, Josh, but I blacked out for a minute there answering. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> one, one point I will make on that, uh, Seth, is that it took two losses for Steve Spagnuolo to be like, well, the only guy I can play in, you know, trying to limit or stop the run is Reggie Ragland. Yep. And just let's see what we got with Reggie Ragland. Um, this performance may prove that, like, well, I only got one guy left on the depth chart who has not played real defensive snaps on maybe passing situations or at least somebody we can leak out as both the blitzer or a guy in man coverage coming out of the backfield, and that's that's Dorian O'Daniel. Now, the the issue is is that O'Daniel has literally no snaps on defense this year, and he's been mostly – Held to being a special teams guy, but hey, if there's ever a time to to use it, maybe it's against the Vikings, maybe it's against the Titans moving forward. Maybe if you're Steve Spagnuolo, you need one more game to sort of prove that, like, hey, we can't, you know, we can't really cover running backs out of the backfield, and until teams Dalvin exploit Cook. it, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, oh, I God. understand what you're saying. Dalvin Cook is going to catch for 200 yards, and and we know, and we know, uh, Mister Mister Kirk Cousins like to check it down <laughs> when the guy is not <laughs> wide open. That- that throw in the back corner to the end zone, that ain't going to happen next no. week. No, 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 God, no. no. <laughs> so, 
So again, this is this is sort of the point where yeah, they don't they they try to impl- and this is how it's hard. This is how hard it is as a as a general manager where you're like Holy smokes! I need a new defense coordinator. I need to give him players to fit the system, and I need to make sure that the uh, I need to revamp the defensive front. I need to get the secondary in check because whoo, Eric Berry was a was not a positive last year, <laughs> and I need to get the linebackers to be better. Yeah. And like he 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 got three out of four. He got three out of four. And Damian, season, and Damian Wilson's helped against the run. Um, it just, it's tough to revamp that many spots. You're absolutely right. So I wouldn't, you know, Josh, yeah, you asked me about Steve Spagnuolo. I remember now I, you Spagnuolo, (laughs) what we're seeing is different facets of the defense kind of get exposed at different times. And Spagnuolo keeps adjusting. I personally think they're close. Their DVOA against passing offenses is very solid. Um, their defensive efficiency, they just, there's some personnel stuff to work out. I personally think that they're going to figure this out because what Nate pointed out with, with O'Daniel is you can say, look, dude, you are either blitzing or you're covering the running or back. Just, or just do the running that, back. Those... Yep. Don't don't look at anybody <laughs> yeah. else on this field. You... Don't you do it. Yeah, yeah. Dalvin <laughs> Cook is your man. And son, God bless you. Yeah, because Dalvin <laughs> Cook can <laughs> flat out play so that's that's a little terrifying but i think they can work that out it's just a matter of figuring things out and plus again you're you're missing your two best pass rushers by far and then alex okafor arguably your third best guy although august really yeah. good this year they had no one left so i i can't even be mad i they just and sometimes aaron Rodgers falling over flicks his wrist you you realize they were two freak aaron Rodgers plays away from a punt and a field goal on drives that the Packers got 14 points. I mean, what are you going to do? That's yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is what every podcast sounds like after playing Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what are you going to like? We did everything well, except for like one thing. And then he just farted out three touchdowns. I don't know. How did that happen? I thought he was throwing it away. Like I'm not a member of the Ben Neiman hive, but his hand was like in Jamal Williams's hands. On that touchdown, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers picked a spot in the in the Milky Way to put that football, and like Ben Neiman's like, yeah, I'll just get. I mean, he got posterized. He got posterized, and it wasn't his fault. Right, and I yeah, I'm, so and many I would, people are blaming and, him. And, yeah, no, I, the the bigger criticism needs to go on Anthony Hitchens uh, because one, he's making annually nine million a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the one linebacker that you have to sort of depend on and trust. Throughout the course of the entire game on all three downs because of sort of the situation that Seth pointed earlier. And look, Ben Neiman comes down, comes in on clear passing situations. Like that's where he benefits most. He is not great filling the gaps for obvious reasons that we've mentioned before. But on the two long receptions for Aaron Jones, uh, the man who is responsible for him is Anthony Hitchens. Now he got beat on a double move where they were playing basically man coverage with, you know, a moderate blitz behind it, and he got beat. Second play, um, he got wiped out by Jimmy Graham. And if you're yeah. any linebacker in space, that's that's not good enough, no. in, in my opinion. This is not like Jimmy Graham at, at the height of his career. And because they were able to just motion in Aaron Jones right behind Jimmy Graham, all of a sudden it's like, there's just nobody behind it. So um, Damian Wilson made a poor angle towards it. He got blocked out of the out of the play. And um, you know, similar to about Daniel Sorensen, who's been pretty solid all year, he gets blown up by an offensive lineman too, and nobody touches Aaron Jones. So if you have better linebacker play there, at least you shoot the gap, or at least you fly quicker to react, so that either Jimmy Graham holds you, which is a penalty that pushes the Packers back. Or you rush him enough that where he has to get off his path so that it gets better for the pursuit coming in to sort of tackle Aaron Jones for a minimal gain or a gain that was significantly smaller than his 67-yard touchdown run or catch and run, I should say. But, the you know, Anthony Hitchens was at least honest with us just uh, last night after the game just saying, yeah, two plays. Two plays kind of cost the Chiefs on defense. And the, the two plays were the – person was most responsible is Anthony Hitchens. 
we've we've had like moments of a Brett Veach conversation over the last couple of weeks, and like, listen, I mean, you mentioned the the places where Damian uh, Damian Wilson wasn't excellent. He also had a, several times where he was living inside of Aaron Rodgers' face mask, like, and a lot of that was also coaching and scheming, and yes. you know, you uh-huh. blitz in this point, and you're blitzing with some protection in front of you, so it, they he wasn't leaping over the offensive line or whatever. But whenever you look at at him and like I mean we legit like Seth I want you to think about this for a second just here I'm putting you in timeout think about the fact that you just said I mean they could try Dorian O'Daniel and Armani Watts maybe that could fix the defense that's not great that's not where you want to be in the middle of a season with Super Bowl aspirations um I I would argue and like Emmanuel Agba right I would argue that the the role players that that Brett Veach has brought in have have generally shown themselves, and this is partially coaching, but have generally shown themselves to be totally comfortable in that role player role. But what they gave for Anthony Hitchens, and honestly, like the we could talk about the defensive ends without Frank Clark being out there. I don't know. I'm that one's still TBD, obviously. But the the Anthony Hitchens. Not just the contract number, but also the expectation of what he was going to be in Kansas City feels like something the Chiefs are going to be reeling from on some level for another, I mean, the rest of this season and, and, and maybe next. Yeah, I mean, th- this is this is not like, I'm not breaking any news here, but there was a reason the Chiefs were in on C.J. Mosley. Just, just want to make mm. that clear. Uh, yeah. They clearly didn't have the cap space to be competitive in that market just because they had obviously given Frank Clark the large contract, um, you know, coming out of the draft. But, you know, there was there was a reason to believe why the Chiefs were sort of, you know, making some calls to C.J. Mosley to see if he could, you know, leave Baltimore to come to Kansas City. Now, it's not like C.J.'s played great in, in New York, but I'm just saying, like, Brett Veach kind of understood that, and I think that sort of signified – um, the team's willingness to try to see if they can get a top line linebacker in the draft, or excuse me, a free agency, and I'm assuming that's a position they're going to look at for in the draft. By the way, I can't remember if this was ever like officially laid out there, but it, I'm on over the cap, and and his contract number this year is five million dollars, and so I I think everything got restructured there on some yes. level. Nate, you might be able to add to that. Um, but next year, what next that year, means, yeah, is it gets it gets stretched. His, Annually, his, con- his, con- his number his number next year is twelve point seven million dollars, and that is all guaranteed. So don't ask if this is the last year of Anthony Hitchens. It's hell I'm not. He, nope. he, and it, it's two thousand twenty one is mostly dead money too. They that restructuring they yeah. did with him eight point four. He's that that restructuring they guaranteed. did with him realistically. Yeah, they could they could cut him at any time, obviously, but they're gonna eat a ton of dead money if they cut him not just next year but in 2021 as well. And so they're they're married to Hitchens. And look, Hitchens is not a bad player. He just happens to be one with a couple of very specific limitations, mm-hmm. which they paid him like he's not. That That's the unfortunate thing. Yeah. Hitchens is a guy you want on your team. Absolutely is. But you want Hitchens to be your second best linebacker. Yep. Yeah, it would, it would be helpful if they had another plus linebacker to go with him because then you would see sort of then the coaching does come into effect where you can play off of both guys' strengths, right? Especially if they're going to be asked to play all three downs, right? Um, and so, yeah, this is this is just this is just the reality that they live in. And uh, any team can look at that tape and be like, "Wow, you know, Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill." Again, we have eight weeks of tape where they have given up no touchdowns deep. Yeah, like no one's getting behind them, yep. and I think that's. That's like wildly impressive based on what we saw last year from the safety group. <laughs> you know, Traverius Ward, look at it, Josh. He turned his head, made a play on the ball. Like, he is, man, tra- watching he's played out of his Ward mind. Actually, put it together has been like so rewarding. I feel like I'm watching my child right now, just like just crushing it, just every step of the way. He's learning how to talk. He's learning how to walk. He's potty trained. He's getting his head around when playing the ball in the air. Yeah, Traverius Ward is pulling it together, and I'm here for it. Yeah, and that was a and that was a that was a little dime by by Aaron Rodgers. That that throw was on target, on time, and he still yep. Disrupted the pass. Um, look, Rashad Breeland showed some toughness last night. He almost had a pick, sort of jammed his shoulder, came back on the field, and locked it down for the remainder of the second half. Look, the, the, the secondary is really, really strong when you when you put it all together compared to what the league average is and even what the team did last year. So it's unfortunate that Steve Spagnuolo's got to continue to be aggressive just because he at least knows he has a secondary behind him to trust. Mm-hmm. 
that the ability to, to blitz maybe more often than what we sort of assumed when the season started. But yeah, I mean, in terms of linebacker play, you've got to mix and match it to a point and hope that the opposing quarterback doesn't see sort of the, the mix and matching you're doing on the field and sort of exposes you in a in an advantage for them that sort of leaves you in a one-on-one matchup where, you know, Anthony Hitches could be doing the thing that he is least great at, which is obviously covering a, uh, excuse me, covering a running back in space. Right. And just a side note with regards to taking advantage of linebackers and blitzing and formations, the options for Spagnolo in terms of how many guys to blitz and what types of blitzes to use are going to go way up when he gets back one of the best pass rushers in the league in Chris Jones. Right. I mean, yeah. that, Chris Jones is an yeah. animal and you can't convince me that he doesn't help change that game last night. Healthy Frank Clark. And now we know that Frank Clark, I mean, we've been talking about this for a few weeks after I wrote the Clark film review. It's like, you know, he just doesn't look as powerful as he did last year. Well, he's been playing through a neck issue. And that yeah. would that would explain why he's so many so many more speed rushes and spin moves. Which, on a side note, he's really developed that spin move. And so when his when he's feeling right, that's going to come in handy. But that's why he did he wasn't getting as much power on his bull rushes and his and his long arm because I don't know about you guys. I don't know if you've ever tossed your neck out and had to be kind of off. Um, that hurts a lot. Yeah. And, right. And he played and look, the last game he played in, he played fantastic despite yeah. the despite the neck injury. So Absolutely. Um there there's reason to believe that you're gonna see a better version of Frank Clark moving forward yes. if the you know, if the team medical staff gets him close to one hundred as close to hundred percent as possible. Right. But yeah, I mean this the the hand that they were dealt as a coaching staff yesterday is pretty remarkable that they were that they were tied that that Matt Moore was dueling Aaron Rodgers to a 24-24 <laughs> score in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, look, you know, no one likes to lose, but there is some honor in the way that that team played cuz I thought Whew, when they were down 14 nothing. Okay, fellas, uh are no. we are, should we all just go home? Should we go home at halftime? Mm-hmm. Oh. And uh mm-hmm. and look, the, the they 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 all they all rallied themselves and got themselves in a position to to win a game. Look, it's 24-24 in the fourth quarter. That's that's about what you want to ask from um heading into the game and Josh and Seth, I know there's a I know there's a I know there's a guy who has a walrus mustache who is a very good coach. We are about to have what, a dialogue. <laughs> who's who's pretty legendary in terms of play calling abilities, but just uh, didn't didn't want to go for the throat last night. Now listen, we will we will talk about the coaching in just a second. But first, everyone, listen, you two right now, lean back in your chair, take a second, take a break. Uh, and frankly, if you really need to just sit there for a little bit, maybe you're getting a little hungry. Maybe you're you're hankering for a bite to eat. Maybe it was too damn early when we did this podcast this morning and you haven't had breakfast. Would you guys like a solution? I've got a solution. DoorDash. DoorDash is with us here now on this episode. And so if you had a long day at work, a tough morning, a tough day at school, if you're still stuck at the office, if you're still stuck at home, if your football team played a really good game when they had no business playing that well, but then still let it slip through their fingers at the end, and you just need to take a minute, cuddled up on the couch in a big blanket, and have a stranger bring you delicious, delicious food, you can use DoorDash. I have it on my phone. I imagine you do too. At this point, I don't even know if it needs to be explained. They'll bring you food to your door, and it if you use our special code TIME, you're going to get $5 off your first order with DoorDash. They'll connect you to all your favorite restaurants in your city. If you are in the Kansas City area, Overland Park, anything surrounding it, if you're here locally, they've got it for you. I'm looking at it right now on my phone, and I'm about to check out this code that we're giving you today. I'm going to take advantage of our own sponsorship here. There are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities across the country, so you will find a new favorite as well here through DoorDash. And again, right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more whenever you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code TIME. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code TIME. Don't forget, that's promo code TIME, T-I-M-E, for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Hey, Josh. Let's talk about the What was that promo code? Was it TIME? Oh, that's promo code time, <laughs> as in times ours, but it's just the first four letters. Well, well done. Let me just add on a side note: the world does not want me to lose weight because I've thought for years how bad it would be for me. Like, 
Man, can you imagine if like grocery stores would just deliver me a tombstone pizza and a bunch of peanut butter M&Ms? Well, now they a lot of grocery stores do like drive up stuff. And now DoorDash is like, oh man, I can't even imagine that local, you know, that local eatery right down the road. Why don't they ever deliver? Why doesn't McDonald's deliver? And it's like, now we can. It's like, come on, guys. Yes. I am too heavy. I need to lose weight. And they're making it so easy. Next is going to be like, instead of just DoorDash, they'll have like an, an exclusive club for DoorDash where it's like, where we'll shovel the food right into your mouth. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'm right now. I don't know. I don't know about your your little corner of Minnesota, but I'm seeing right now in the app several very healthy restaurants nearby that you probably won't order from, but you could. <laughs> yeah, but that's not to think about it. You could lie to yourself. Well, yeah, there, there. Yes, okay. Yes, Josh, I get it. Okay, I have options, but I'd rather just complain and blame everyone else. Will you let me do that? There's also a donut place that I'm thinking about right now. So. <laughs> And listen, obviously, also the real the real drawback here is it's just so it's just so expensive. If only I could get five dollars off my first order of fifteen dollars or more. Oh, you can! That's the <laughs> promo code time. Let's go, DoorDash. I'm in a better mood now. Let's talk about the coaching. Let's do it. Let's let's oh. dig into the thing that I've been purposefully trying to leave until the end because we got to get that that time spent listening up, and this is what people are here for. Someone else start. Seth, you we gave Nate the first the first topic to start from. You yes. go ahead. Andy Reid gave you here's what I'll here's how I'll set you up, okay? Andy Reid was wearing a wizard hat for the first 55 minutes of this football game. <laughs> and then yes. he took that wizard hat, shook it out, and it's reversible. On the other side, it's a dunce cap. It's the same shape either way. <laughs> he made two. I love Andy Reid. I, I said this on 810 last night. I think he is not only one of the three best coaches um, in the NFL right now at any given time, probably. Um, he might be one of the three best coaches in this millennium of NFL football that we are currently in. I don't know. You could go throughout the history of the league and you can make an argument about some of the things in there. He, he was doing stuff with Matt Moore that, for me, was unreal to watch happen. And then he made two really unnecessary, silly coaching errors in the last five minutes of the game. So I, I, there's an article up on The Athletic. For those of you who don't subscribe, the, the, here's the title. He giveth and he taketh away. Uh, Andy Reid's best and worst traits were on display versus the Packers. This game was Andy Reid in a nutshell. Because, yeah. like you said, for the first 55 minutes, now I have an issue with something he, he did a few times before the half, and we'll talk about that. But it was just, he was brilliant. Um, one of the one of the tweets here from Kevin Clark with the Ringer, who is a very funny Twitter follower. He mm -hmm. follow. He's an amusing guy. Um, he 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 tweeted out, you know, amusing. midway through the game or late in the game. LMFAO, whatever that means. Andy Reid schemed Matt Moore into a quarterback duel with Aaron Rodgers, King, and that's the truth. He schemed Matt Moore into a duel with Aaron Rodgers, and hey, all credit in the world to Matt Moore. He executed well, but like. Andy Reid was doing stuff that, like, a couple of those plays, like, that 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 McCool Hardman touchdown, some of the fake window dressing they put sending the play the other way that sent eight players on the defense sprinting left. And then the rest, you know, those other three guys are like, guys, no! You know, where are you going? <laughs> it's just us! Oh, no, we're being blocked! And then you just have one corner sprinting from the other side of the formation with a t bad angle to try to tackle Hardman, you could just picture the rest of them like, guys, where are you going? We need you. And it's a touchdown. And on that same drive, I mean, there was a third and seven um, conversion where it's essentially a down the field screen. And, and so I, I, I showed these plays. Reed was not just doing great things. He showed plays, plays that he hasn't shown all year, multiple yeah. ones. And people don't understand how hard it is to do things in the NFL that are original. Or at least yep. original looking. Because Reed, off, what he often does, he finds concepts he likes, and then he does it differently. And people just think that's so easy. But there's a reason why, oh, I don't know, you know, Sean McVay, awesome offensive coach. But you notice his offense isn't quite as dominant as it was. Yep. It's hard to do this year after year after year. And Andy yeah, Reid's yep. been doing it for a minute. And, like a and, quarter and of to, a century. Right. And to prepare a quarterback you've never really worked with up until like yeah. I don't know 10 days ago and to get the entire <laughs> offense to run these plays excellently and get them yeah. to understand the concepts where they need to be positioning and why they're doing set play and set situation and set down that can make them have an advantage that is just undeniable against a pretty good defense 
Absolutely. He he is a he is a great coach. He is one of the better coaches in the league. And so just before I say any of this, the caveat with everything I'm about to say, firing Andy Reid would be monumentally stupid. Monumentally. You're not going to upgrade over Andy Reid. You're not. He is better than Sean McVay. He is better than 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 Kyle Shanahan in my opinion, although the Niners are on a roll. But you notice the Niners are on a roll now that they've got a really good defensive coordinator in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, Reed is a stud of a coach, and he's not just a great schemer. Guys play hard for him. Players mm-hmm. love him. You know, the Chiefs, remember they went started 1-5 and five that one year, and he kept them together, kept them playing hard. That is not easy. Being like a leader of like grown men who are millionaires is not easy, and Reed can do it. So all that with this caveat. That said, now I've said all the nice things. It's, we're going to compliment sandwich it, guys. It'll be fun. That said... His situational play calling, well, not play calling even, his clock management has always been kind of a joke and it reared its head again, even if it didn't quite hurt. Well, no, it did hurt them at the end. His (laughs) clock management is just bad. It's just bad. You know, before halftime, they're facing second and second and five with one minute left. They're on Green Bay's 15-yard line. Green Bay has two timeouts left. It's like it's second and five, dude. Run the ball a couple times because... You got to make sure you don't give Aaron Rodgers a full minute left. Instead, two incomplete passes and a field goal later, the Packers get the ball back with two timeouts and a minute left, and Spagnolo coached his butt off to make yeah. sure that didn't hurt them. Like, but but that was that could have been a critical error and it wasn't. And then at the end of the game, okay. When there are 41 to 45 seconds left, you don't call timeout like w- above the 2 minute warning. Right? Because what happens is the team has to call a play before the two minute warning, and then the two minute warning will stop the clock. And if you burn your timeout, it for you. It doesn't, and then, and then that's the problem. The timeout doesn't change that. It's the exact same situation, and all it does is cost you a timeout. And would that have made a difference? Probably not. But it would have forced Green Bay to call the play differently. It would have yes. forced them to, to call to the game To get the clock to run, and to yeah, to get the clock to run, and for and, you to expand your or to use one of your last timeouts. Yes. Yes, they would have had a timeout after the two-minute warning. It would have changed nothing. And Reed genuinely did not know that. And and here's the problem with that is, like, probably 50% of people who seriously play Madden know that. And yeah. I'm not saying it's just Andy Reed. This is a problem with coaches across the NFL. I think clock management, I think they ought to hire, like, professional Madden players to do, to do yeah. clock management stuff. Because... They seem to get it. I get it. I know these things. Now, Andy Reid knows a billion times more than me about football. That drives me nuts. But it's not just that. I'm just going to... Andy, just say it, Seth. This, Just say it. When it is fourth and inches, I understand Pat got hurt last week. You can just sneak the ball. And when it is... Oh, when it's third and three with five minutes to go, you treat it like a two down situation and you run the ball a couple times and very, very, very likely get a first down. And what is more likely that you're going to convert on a fourth and three or a third and three if you treat it like a two down situation or your defense is going to somehow a defense, which, by the way, had given up multiple touchdowns and a field goal and multiple big drives. They're going to somehow get you a three and out and get you the ball back. You have to go for it, Andy. How are you the most innovative coach in the NFL with offensive scheme? But you're so conservative with fourth down okay but we love you andy you just have to stop now there i feel now better. To, now for people who want a perspective from the locker room nobody criticized andy Reid's decision to not go for it on fourth down so that's Weird. how, how much often do you criticize your boss nate Had to, you make a habit of that <laughs> well joe flacco did it yesterday but all i'm saying that's is fair. <laughs> that's the, fair. The you, player... know what? you know what good point <laughs> The players love Andy Reid, and so that goes back to Seth's point. Like, they're not going to criticize him or not even do it, like, vaguely, where it's like, ah, like, like, I thought Travis Kelsey might have said, like, yeah, I would have loved if we had another opportunity, maybe on fourth down to go for it. Um, Mitchell Schwartz sort of alluded to me that, like, yeah, you kind of have to play differently when when the other quarterback's Aaron Rodgers. Now, if it's Joe Flacco out there and you got to get a stop, then maybe you punt it. If it's... You know, if it's Phillip Rivers against a, 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 you know, a disgraced offensive line and, you know, less than stellar playmakers, then sure, maybe you punt the football. If it's Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, you know, maybe you punt the football. But it's Aaron Rodgers. And um, 
one thing if you watch, if, and I rewatched the game last night, but if you if you rewatch it, you know, that incompletion to Travis Kelsey, like Seth mentioned earlier, like he kind of, it's clear that Kelsey's a safety blanket. It's clear that Kelsey should win on one, a one-on-one matchup. It's clear that Matt Moore, not preordained where the pass was going before the snap, but like he saw what he wanted to saw, what he wanted to see, and he threw the ball. And look, they the Packers just made a very good play on the ball. It was not pass yep. interference. It was a bang bang play. But the entire offense just stood on the field and looked at Andy. It wasn't a situation where everybody goes, "Oh shucks," and they start jogging back to the sideline. Everyone stood in place. And Matt yep. Moore's looking at Andy like, "Okay, what's the next play call? Okay, Let's fourth go. and three at around forty. Yep. Let's roll." And uh, and then Andy, you could tell was thinking about it. He held his play sheet. He looked down at it a yep. couple times. You know, yep. Dustin Colquitt is like on the edge of the sideline, saying, "Coach, no, coach, no, yeah. no. Okay, I'll just nope. stand right here. Yes, I'm nope. fine." <laughs> and then, and then Andy unfortunately waves him in, and yeah, it's it's. I wonder. That, yeah, I, I I wonder because this is a game in October. If Andy Reid was treating this differently than he would if the game was in January, because I've always made Man. the point, even with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, that you should never punt. <laughs> you know, right? And this was, and this goes more back to last year's defense, which you know couldn't be trusted. At least this year's has sort of built some equity in terms of like, hey, they can make a play or two, or hey, you know, um, maybe there's a chance for them to get the ball back because you do have all three timeouts in the two in the two minute warning, even though you kind of you know colossally blew that, like Seth mentioned earlier, but. When you have Aaron Rodgers on the other side of the field, I, it's almost like you had to tell Andy, like, no, 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 this is a playoff game, or that this game has maybe playoff implications down the line if you want to be the two seed or the three seed or, like, have, you know, you know whatever. Like, you're probably going to win the division, but, like, big picture-wise, what do you have to lose? Like, that was yeah. my question in the press box last night was, like, you have nothing to lose. You were never supposed to win this football game once you ruled Patrick Mahomes, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Andrew Wiley, and Eric Fisher out of the game. You had no you had no business being in this game. You somehow coached up Matt Moore to look like a Pro Bowl quarterback when he had not played quarterback in a full game for over two years. You literally have nothing to lose. And look, even if you don't get the first down there on fourth and three, like, okay, the Packers get the ball at the 40-yard line. Like, and... Like, all they have to do is get a couple first downs, which is the same scenario you put them in at the two-yard line. So, yes, nothing really changes. So, like, just you have, like, somebody should have just went to Andy and said, treat it like a playoff game, and you have nothing to lose. There is nothing, there is no, there's no shame in saying we're going down with Matt Moore and this offense that I have a ton of playmakers around, and there's probably another play on the play sheet that gives you an advantage there. And whether he wanted to reveal it or not, because it's October versus January, who's to say? But, like, the bigger point to all of this is, like, the Chiefs really had nothing to lose yesterday. Right. I have absolutely zero interest in saying maybe Andy Reid will get less conservative when the game matters more. <laughs> I I feel like there's that's a great thought. That's a that's a lovely idea, but man, I don't believe it. I don't believe in that being a thing at all. The the logic after the game and it really bummed me out cuz to you yeah. know th- there are the two things, right? There's the timeout and then there's there's uh punting. The timeout, I think, fundamentally mattered less, and like th- that changed the winning pers- the win probability by the, for the Chiefs less. But it was the factual error, like it was just straight up saying, "Ah, oh, the sky is green." Timeout. Like, no, it's not, and it's dark actually, so it's the sky's like black, and uh, and that was a factual mistake. There's there's no counter argument there. You can at least argue punting the ball in that situation, but there's a a bot on Twitter that calculates um that, that calculates cowardly punts where where <laughs> analytically statistically here's here's what happened when they punted here, and I retweeted it. The, the handle's kind of convoluted, but I retweeted it earlier, uh, or treated it during the game last night. Here's the body here. Kansas City decided to punt to Green Bay from the Chiefs' 40 on 4th and 3 with 5.13 remaining in the 4th while losing 24-31. With a surrender index of 13.72, this punt ranks in the 38th percentile of cowardly punts in the 2019 season and the 95th percentile of all punts since 2009. There's the analytical argument. 
even just thinking with your gut here, like you said, it's it's Matt Moore. I, I do think, and, and this is something Seth has been talking about since, I mean, the Chiefs drafted Mahomes, that, that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can offset each other's worst qualities and amplify their best qualities and all of that. Maybe Patrick Mahomes stands out there on the field and just goes, Coach, let's go, and maybe Andy Reid responds right. to that. Also, I think Andy Reid is definitely more confident in his offense getting three yards whenever it yes. is Patrick Mahomes out there. However, it's all still flawed logic. We're like, like Seth was saying there, I mean, on, on that third and three, you have two plays. I didn't mind yes. them calling a pass play there when he hits Travis Kelsey in the middle of the field, but now it's fourth and three, and you're either trying that again, or you can run it twice in that situation. I don't know. They'd run the ball on first and second down there, and Williams had gone for four and then for three. I mean, three more would have done it. I also don't know if a run up the gut would have worked in that situation. I don't know, but I do know that punting it there didn't work. Say, oh, well, we felt like we'd get the ball back. I'm going to give you Andy Reid's quote here in just a second. It's going to make your head explode off of your damn shoulders. Oh, I, I heard it in person. Yeah, I'm honestly, I'm just, I'm so glad that you're here and you're not just like, a, you're not basically Wiley E. Coyote after a stick of dynamite like goes off in his ear or whatever. That's what I felt like happened when I heard the explanation. <laughs> but you can say, oh, well, we felt like we'd get the ball back. Well, here's what happened. On fourth and three, the Chiefs gave up their opportunity to, to run at least one more offensive play. And then they ran zero more offensive plays after that. Right. They they could have had more plays run, even if they would have gone for it and field there because they did not get the ball back. Here's what Andy Reid said. Some of it is feel, some of it's momentum. All those things that you look at, it was a phenomenal punt. We backed him up. I want to die. That is, that, for everything <laughs> that I love so much about Andy Reid being the coach of this football team, it's not feel and momentum there. Not really. And if it is feel and momentum, you have to say you, you got it wrong. And, I mean, he did. Right. He said it didn't work. But the, the worst thing for me is saying it was a phenomenal punt. We backed him up is something you don't know until after you make the decision. That is not a reason that you make that decision that, again, did not work even if you are playing the result. So, again, the Chiefs are not in this position with Matt Moore having having a game that is still winnable with just about any other coach in football with all of the things going on in this offense and, and on the defensive side as well. I, I think Andy Reid... Is, is, again, one of the very, very few guys that gets you to this point. But he screwed up twice whenever it was whenever it was, it was the most high stakes at the very end, and I don't even know if that's arguable. When it was when it was winning time, I don't know if it's a lack of trust against Matt Moore, just because, again, Matt Moore had played perfectly up until that point. Again, 24 for 36, 267, two touchdowns, no interceptions, no fumbles lost. Um, when it gets to winning time, Everyone sort of failed Matt Moore, and and I just did not see that coming. You know, uh, at least last night, the the idea that Matt Moore put you in a position where you could hand him the ball and say, "Son, go get us to overtime," or "Hey, why don't we go down the field, score a touchdown, and go for the gusto? Why don't we go for the throat and maybe go for a two point conversion to try to win the game so you don't give Aaron Rodgers a chance in overtime?" I mean, these are all thoughts you should be having as Aaron Jones is running down the field to score what eventually became the game-winning touchdown. You need to be thinking of all the yeah. scenarios of like, okay, this is probably four-down territory if we get a first down on the first series of plays. And then from that point on, what do we do if we actually get in the end zone? Because obviously we need a touchdown to at least tie it along with an extra point, or we could go for the win. Um, Matt Moore, again, I, I hate to sound like, you know, dry it out, Doc Rivers, but it's really not on Matt. It's just not on Matt. It's not Matt's fault. Matt did everything right. Hit the guy on the target. He just, it's just, it just, it's just unfortunate because you don't know if Matt Moore is going to get another opportunity. And we will talk about this um, as the week moves forward. You know how soon will Patrick Mahomes comes back? But and you know obviously Chad Henney can be uh, you know put back on the active roster now that we've gotten into the second half of the season. But this was Matt Moore's one opportunity, his one guaranteed opportunity um, to help the team get a victory. And the coach either didn't trust him or didn't give him as many opportunities as necessary for a potential um, game-tying or game-winning fourth-quarter drive. And for whatever reason, um, the defense, as best as it played, uh, didn't give Matt a chance with the ball towards midfield had they gotten said, you know, a three and out and forced the Packers a punt deep within their own territory. So it's just something I didn't expect, but everyone in the fourth quarter just didn't do enough to give Matt Moore a chance to get them over the hurdle. 
Anything else? Any other takeaways other than now that the Chiefs should trade Matt Moore to the Bears for a first-round pick? Just because oh, like set kind of that thing off right now. Like, yeah. <laughs> get on the horn. Also, um, Lashawn McCoy well, was not available to the reporters in the locker room. He quickly evaded us when the locker room was open. This is a problem, um, and not just yeah. for his actions after the game, but this is a problem now. When Lashawn McCoy, and I thought about this last night, when Lashawn McCoy entered the league, he was so good and so dynamic. And yes, he carried the football as if it was like not a loaf of not a loaf of bread, but he 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 carried it as if it was like his own personal walk, man, and he could just like do whatever he wanted in the streets. (laughs) That being said, defenses are so different now, and the margins are so small that coaches have taught their defenders when you see that ball, you knock it out. This is not playing. NFL football like it's 2005 or whatever like yeah he's got to be more protective of the football and this is twice now where the moment he fumbles the offense just collapses around him we saw that against the Indianapolis Colts and now we've right. seen it against the Maria Packers um he shares just in my opinion LaShawn McCoy shares just as much criticism and blame as Andy Reid because yeah when you're when your defense does enough and I think you mentioned this uh earlier Josh when your defense does enough to get, you know, when Emmanuel Ogba does enough to force Aaron Rodgers to take a sack, hey, you got to, you know, they're going to tie the game. They're not going to take the lead. It's it's, it's still up for anybody's grab. And in the first play of the next drive, you just fumble the ball? Like, no, like, you, you it's a draw play. There's no reason for you to be having the ball, like, extended from your body. Um, yeah. There's a reason Andy Reid benched him, and... Yeah. I think there's probably more chances for Damian Williams. And think, something I would like to see more is Daryl Williams. Like, for some reason, Andy Reid puts Daryl Williams in the first half script, and then he's never to be seen again in the second half. Um, <laughs> part of that is because you trust the veteran in LaShawn McCoy. But, hey, if the veteran is fumbling the ball or has a pattern of fumbling, um, you might want to give the younger guy some more opportunities. So Daryl Williams has done well when he's given chances. It's just he hasn't been given a ton in the second half. And I just, like, LaShawn McCoy cannot go unscathed because he lost the Chiefs the game just as much as Andy Reid did, just as much as Anthony Hitchens did, in my opinion, because you knew you could, you knew you had to play perfect. You knew you couldn't turn the ball over. Matt Moore knew that, and he played well. He never threw a ball that was sort of an interceptable opportunity for the Packers. And yet, in the game that is really going back and forth, LaShawn McCoy sort of, sort of let his teammates down. Seth, parting parting shot. Anything we haven't gotten uh, to I yet? Would just, I I would just say in terms of the fourth down decision making thing, that's something you have to make your mind up about beforehand, so you can treat third down differently. And you pointed that out, yep. but that's just it's just something something my dad always said. With us playing the Vikings, I'll I'll quote my dad. That's become my new bit. Is that you decide <laughs> who you are? You decide who you are in advance of situations which yep. is actually pretty profound life advice for the record. Yeah, but is. That's great. if you know in advance what you're going to do on fourth down, you can plan your third down accordingly. With regards to McCoy, I agree. He's been very good, but he's fumbled. Those are two incredibly important fumbles that arguably could have, I mean, the Chiefs arguably could be 7-1 and one with, with those fumbles changing. Um, yep. And so you talk about Williams. I wouldn't mind seeing Darwin Thompson get a shot because he is a lot more explosive. But uh, clearly he hasn't quite earned the trust yet other than to get a hospital ball from Matt Moore on an outlet. <laughs> the Packers, the Packers like saw Matt. that motion the second time and they were like, I dare you to throw it to him. I swear yeah. to throw it to him. Yeah. Oh, he's throwing it to him. Y'all, let's go get it. Yeah, I was just like, oh, Matt, no, don't do that to your boom. Oh, yep, he did it to him. <laughs> it's like, come on, Matt, don't, don't just throw the ball away. <laughs> That's not good. So anyway, besides that, you know what? This was the Chiefs played pretty well against a very good team. They, You know, I, I thought we were done with the moral victory stuff, but half yeah. the team is out. So yeah. we'll see. I'm I'm hopeful. I'm going to be in Kansas City for the, for the Vikings game. I'm hoping that Mahomes plays. And some of the quotes we heard from him pregame make it seem like maybe he could. Yeah, I will not be offering to get tased for this one. I don't think he's going <laughs> to play this week, but I'm not offering to get tased. I would I, instead of feeling uh, 95-5 as I did whenever I said that dumb thing last week. It feels kind of like a 45-55 kind of thing right now. So uh, I mean, you can still bring your taser to Kansas City if you want, Seth. Maybe you can talk me into it, but. Uh, 
It will not. It will not yeah. be voluntary. You'll have. You'll have to chase me down and taste me <laughs> <laughs> tonight on a very special times ours. Yes. Seth chases down Josh and tastes him. That's yeah. That'll be good content right there. Uh, more good content. If this if this made you sad and you need you need a little bit of context for the rest of the NFL as a whole, go check out the mail room right here on the Athletic. It connects you with the best of the Athletics NFL writers every week. Amy Parlapiano is joined by an exclusive guest to answer NFL questions directly from you, the subscribers, in this exclusive podcast on the Athletic. Plus, if you want to go check out what Nate and Seth have written already on this game, that's up on the Athletic right now. You can also follow all of us on Twitter. You should do that already, okay? At by Nate Taylor, at Real MN Chiefs fan, at JB Briscoe. I'll let you figure out who's who. You can also tweet about the show with the hashtag TimesRs. All right, Nate, it's fourth and three. Go for it. All right, coach. I did what y'all told me to do. I took a week off. I didn't do anything crazy. But the Vikings are a playoff team, and we got to treat this like a playoff game. So all I'm saying is put a brace on me, dog, and let's roll. <laughs> yeah. Nine routes! <laughs> <laughs>